0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University.
1: Hello, this is Marlene Schwartz. I am the deputy director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. And I'm here with two guests today, Ms. Susan Peters, who is a pediatric nurse practitioner and working in the New Haven Public Schools, and Dr. Sonia Pereira, who is an economist and is currently an assistant professor at Barnard College, Columbia University. And we're here today to talk about an innovative program that's happening in the New Haven Public Schools called the Physical Activity and Wellness Project, also known as PAW. And um, both Sonia and Sue have been very instrumental in getting this program up and running over the last three years and evaluating it. So welcome. Sue, could you start off by describing the PAW program for us? Sure. Um,
0: PAW, again, stands for Physical Activity and Wellness. And what it is, is um, it's got three components. One is the um, school wellness team. So every school who is a PA- that is a PAW school has a school wellness team, and that's a variety of members from the staff at the school who meet regularly to address health issues and to promote health uh, among students and in the schools. That's one. The second part is uh, health-promoting school culture. And really what that means, it can look different at every school, but it's the school wellness teams uh, sponsoring um, health initiatives or health campaigns, uh, anything they feel that um, they can do to promote awareness and promote health and well-being among students and staff. And the last thing is, uh, because of an unfunded state mandate in 2004, requiring all K through 5 kids to have a daily period of physical activity, um, it, it, it involves implementing um, a physical act- classroom-based physical activity in the K through 5 classes. So that's, that, that's it in a nutshell. Those are the three components of PAW which are now in 18 schools in the district. So it sounds like um, one of the things that really got the ball rolling on this
1: was that mandate for all of the elementary school children to get physical activity during the school day. And so can you describe some examples of how that actually works, incorporating the physical
0: activity into the classroom? Sure. Uh, When we first um, looked into the curriculum, the, the actual physical activity programs, this was four years ago. There actually wasn't a lot out there in terms of K through five uh, classroom-based physical activities. Now you see really uh, an immersion of ideas and, and downloadable free kinds of ideas that they can do in the classroom. But at the time, it was quite novel, and we searched high and low to find a program that, that uh, we felt would um, it would uh, integrate phys- fitness and physical activity about ten minutes. Um, into class lessons and, and reinforce academic subjects. So we chose, or actually the teachers chose at the schools, a program called Take 10. Uh, that was the first one we went with, and it is sort of lesson plan based, and it's grade specific. So a first grade teacher has theirs, and a fifth grade teacher has their manual, and it's it's uh, also uh, subject specific. So language arts and math and science, whatever lesson they happen to be teaching, they can just turn to that and find um, a, you know, an appropriate lesson to integrate fitness into that. And t- it's teacher-led, so teachers were trained, and then they would be responsible for sort of leading uh, a 10-minute period at least once a day, um, integrating it into their classrooms. So how did that go, um, introducing this idea
1: to the teachers and telling them that they would be leading physical activity in the classroom?
0: Well, that's a good question, because I think we, were, we weren't sure what to expect. And um, we were actually pleasantly surprised that that most teachers were very enthusiastic about the whole idea. their main concern though was the time where are we going to put it we 're one of the shortest school days in the dist- in the state, and that 's a real issue for anything you want to put into the classroom into the class day. but I think though that once they realized they had that top down support not only from Dr. Mayo but from their own administrators, we were very uh you know intentional in doing the staff presentations with the, with the principal present and introducing us so that, we, you know, it was seen as something that was um, endorsed by everybody in the district, which it was. But that seemed to make um, a, a lot of difference in terms of, uh, you know, laying some fears of, um, you know, having to, to push this in the, in the uh, school day and uh, without sort of the, the, the endorsement from folks they have to answer to. So that really leads to my next
1: question, which is, you know, you all have been doing this for a few years now, and I was wondering what you've observed in terms of factors that predict successful implementation of this program into a school.
0: Well, Sonia can talk about, actually, some of the data in terms of what they found through analysis, because we did do, um, as part of our evaluation, we had the teachers in the first six schools complete um, a survey three times, first in the first year, the planning year, the baseline year, and then after they implemented the physical activity and the other parts of PAW um, in year in year two. So we have some comparison data, but on a more objective, or not objective, subjective note, um, dealing with the schools myself and working with the facilitators, I hadn't mentioned them, the facilitators are actually on-site folks that do get a stipend to uh, lead the PAW activities, oversee them, if you will, and they're our liaison between the district and the school, and they're a key player there. But we get reports from them and um, and feedback, you know, about um, what what works and what doesn't. And I think some of the more successful reasons for it working again is support from the top down from the administrators, uh, and I think um, just attitudes. You know, folks that feel that it really will make a difference, those kinds of the belief systems and um, you know, of, of the teachers themselves. And I think that uh, also just having the materials that are user-friendly and um, feeling supported in doing this, I think were those schools that had a lot of support, this is just subjectively, were um, reporting you know, that they actually liked doing it and they were doing it often.
1: Sonia, in looking at the data that you've collected over the years, could you talk a little bit about what kinds of effects you've seen in student behavior in the classes that have participated in this program?
2: Yes, sure, so uh, actually we collected two types of data regarding student's behavior. Uh, we collected the teacher's impression of of what they observed their students' behavior was when they implemented the physical activity. And we also collected data that was uh, kind of more objective and it was measurable, such as how much time do you spend writing referrals to parents and how many students do you have to send out each week, et cetera. So... uh, let me talk first just a little bit about the first type, There, the teacher's impressions. We have that like over 60% of the teachers agree or strongly agree that integrating daily physical activity has improved overall class climate. So this gives you an idea that, you know, majority of teachers perceive that there was an improvement in class climate. Some teachers disagree with that. Then when we actually look at the data that we collected the year before they were Um, they were implementing the physical activity and at the end of one year of implementing the physical activity in the classroom we saw that uh, there were changes, measurable changes, in a number of behaviors. For example, the percentage of students listening to the teacher or listening to each other, or uh, the time teachers had to spend uh, writing referrals to parents, calling parents uh, uh, regarding um, disruptive behavior, and also the number of students that were sent out on a given week uh, out of the classroom due to disruptive behavior. And these were quite robust results. So, for example, when we looked, for example, at teachers who actually implemented um, uh, physical activity more intensively, say, 50 minutes a week, these results came stronger. Or when we looked at how the teachers were implementing, how the behavior changed, we saw actually changes in behavior. So, you know, from a, a researcher perspective, I think the results are quite robust and, um, and strong.
1: So that's really exciting because it shows not only that it's helpful to the health and fitness of kids to be more physically active, but it's actually, I think, what people have suspected all along that it helps them in the classroom in terms of getting all that extra energy out, being able to settle down, focus, less likely to act out behaviorally. So that's great that you've done that evaluation. Um, have there been other um things that you learned about teacher attitudes and how those have changed over time or their feelings about the school
2: um
1: i I think we've
2: seen that uh, a number a high number of teachers have a positive attitude towards integrating physical activity so in most schools as high as eighty percent say they're comfortable doing it uh, they enjoy doing it so I think these are quite uh, big numbers uh we also We have seen a lot of changes in attitudes in terms of what they think the kids should be having. 90% say they should have daily physical activity. So there has been a lot of change in terms of attitudes of the teachers, and and we think of the students as well.
1: Thank you. Sue, so so where do you go from here? What do you see as the future
0: for the PAW program in New Haven? I think because of the demonstrated success in certain areas, specifically what what Sonia mentioned um, with teacher attitudes and um, student behavior and attitudes, the other real area is um, school culture that we've seen a huge impact and I think trying to that's been a positive step in trying to um, you know, change uh, behaviors, if you will, and social norms so that you know people are being more aware of healthy eating um and uh, even just hygiene or whatever the whatever the um topic area might be. But I think, you know, so PAW, I think it's here to stay. I'm hoping it's here to stay because we've also seen that the school wellness teams are functioning. We have strong leadership behind it. So I don't think that this is really something that's going to waver or disappear. Uh, The problem is we do need funding to to expand it to all schools. It's not in all K-8 schools. We have about another nine before we're district-wide. And really the the, the front-loading costs are those two get in that planning year to get a startup to um, orient the new schools and provide training and materials. And so that takes personnel and it takes time. Uh, and we also offer a paw pool, which gives schools the opportunity to apply for little mini-grants, so if they want to do a health campaign or they'd like to do um, a food tasting or anything of that nature, um, they would have the funds to do that. And that seems to have been a real incentive for schools and school wellness teams to really do more around health promotion. In fact, um, this PAW pool has been around for a few years, and out of the first, the first year it was offered, six out of 12 schools took advantage. We have up to about $1,000 to apply for. In year two, which would have been this year that it was eligible, uh, 17 out of 18 schools Um, Applied and they applied quickly in the year and we have all sorts of things like uh, students at one school They are going to have students um, grow their own fruits and vegetables and share them uh, with other students and uh, Bullying campaigns. There's all sorts of things. It does not limited to physical activity and what and nutrition one of the things that I think is so neat about that program
1: is It's not only kind of someone from the outside or someone from the top coming down and telling the schools what to do, but with a reasonably small amount of money, $1,000, you're able to really um, give an incentive to the schools to come up with their own ideas. And of course, that, that always works better. And so that's neat that you've seen such an increase over time in terms of the number of schools who want to participate. Um, I just wanted to ask another question, New Haven has really been a leader in the state in terms of school wellness and um, I know from the evaluation done by the Department of Education the New Haven school wellness policy was the best policy in the entire state. And I was just curious, given your experience there, why you think New
0: Haven has been so successful when it comes to school wellness issues. I think in a nutshell, it comes down to the dynamic, committed group um, that makes up the the district wellness committee is number one, and also the support from the very top senior leadership, making making health and wellness a priority in the district and valued in the district. So those two together have enabled us to do some tremendous um, innovative kind of work around setting policies and uh, developing programs such as PAW that I think other districts even in the nation were, um, uh, you know, either unable to do or were a little bit afraid to do. Um, I think the best example is that, you know, we had a nutrition committee in 2001. And in 2004, we launched the Healthy Kids um, First initiative. And that basically was a policy move to uh, remove junk food, um, unhealthy food, uh, snacks and beverages from the vending machines, put all the vending machines under one contract so that there was centralization of that, and replace those foods with healthier options, uh, as well as banning candy sales and encouraging more health-focused fundraisers for school. schools. At that time, there was a lot of controversy over that and a lot of fear of many districts who were cash-strapped to say, you know, we, we're going to lose too much money if we take soda out of the machines. And against popular opinion, we have, we have showed, I think, successfully um, that, you know, taking a stand in doing this, um, that we have been successful. We haven't lost much money, and um, if any. Even with um, replacing food items in the menu, um, such as, you know, replacing them with whole, whole grain buns uh, from, from the white, white bread, uh, has been a small change but there was resistance years ago that i can remember where there was a thought from folks in the food service that you know they're just going to throw it away and then we're going to get complaints from parents because their kids are hungry they what was driving the menu was seemed to be more that you know they just wanted to keep kids happy and if we keep serving kids kids food which in our culture has just you know been not the healthiest options Um, then, you know, just because there were no complaints doesn't mean it was the best thing to do. So we've often sort of, I think, been ahead of the curve, and we've stood up where others, you know, against certain resistance, and I I feel like we've been, you know, a model district in that way. Yeah, well, I I mean, as someone who um, is on a committee in another
1: district in Connecticut, it has been really helpful having New Haven as a model district, and to be able to say, well, in New Haven, they've already done this. In New Haven, they took the soda out years before it was a state law in Connecticut, and so you know I I appreciate that. I want to say thank you on behalf of other parents around the state and um, just really happy that you guys are doing this work. Happy that you have both the sort of passion and enthusiasm it takes to get a program going but then also the commitment to evaluation because it's so helpful to have the data so that we really know what the effects are of these programs because that will also help motivate other districts around the country. So thank you both so much for being here with us. I appreciate it it takes to get a program going, but then also the commitment to evaluation, because it's so helpful to have the data so that we really know what the effects are of these programs, because that will also help motivate other districts around the country. So thank you both so much for being here with us. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you.